Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor Avi Krenger, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall and SI.com's Brian Strauss. Today, guys, we're going to get into a little MLS All-Star game, some Gold Cup fallout, and then uh, a little little diving back into the MLS oral history now that it's all out there for for all to see. And I kind of want to get into Zlatan because I got a chance to meet him last week, and that was fantastic. Um, but first, I want to welcome you guys in. Grant, I know you've been traveling uh, a, a bunch between Women's World Cup, Gold Cup, and MLS All-Star, so welcome back to New York. Good to be back. And Brian, welcome, uh, welcome in as well. Thanks, Avi. I'm a, I'm excited to pod today. There you go. That's what I that's what I love to hear, and that's that's what everybody loves to hear. Uh, guys, uh, start with the MLS All Star Game. Uh, I was whelmed by it. It it didn't overwhelm me. Didn't underwhelm me. It it just it was what it was. It was a bunch of uh, not entirely first choice MLS All Stars playing against a fifth place, sixth place caliber EPL team. Um, MLS won. Kaká played well for 45 minutes, which was great to see. Some entertaining moments. Uh, second half, not as much. Uh, Grant, I guess what was your take? You you were there. You saw it all. What uh, what did you think? Yeah, I was out there. I mean, like I've been to a few of these All Star games by now, and it's always for me. And I, I realize I may not totally represent all the fans because for me, what I really enjoy is going out there on a Monday before the Wednesday game and seeing everybody, all the players. Uh, in a very relaxed state, uh, you know, a lot of the stars of the league, you know. I mean, I just bumped into David Villa out in Denver and talked to him for about 10 minutes in Spanish and English. His English has gotten a lot better. He was in a really good mood. He just won that great game against Orlando in Yankee Stadium, that 5-3 bit of craziness. Uh, and you would have those experiences with several of the players out there. And uh, it is also fun to see stars like Clint Dempsey and David Villa and Kaká uh, play with each other and connect on a goal like they had, which was, for me, the highlight of the game uh, in the first half. Just uh, three guys with extreme amounts of talent who don't necessarily play together uh, on a day-to-day basis, but just showing you their talent on that goal. And, um, you know, for me, that was uh, one of the takeaways I'll have. Uh, from this game not a lot of other ones uh you know harry kane's goal was well taken nick Romando had some very very good saves uh for mls but i do feel like the format is probably in need of a change uh this playing against a top club uh, has been going on for a long time but i think mls has made so many star signings recently that i i'm in favor of going back to east versus west and uh, i think that would be uh a good way to go to showcase how far the league has come. I've been on that bandwagon for, for a while. I actually wrote a, a piece uh, a few years ago for, for SI um, about, about that and about how it's, you know, the league, if I thought then, then I definitely think it now, was, was at a point where it had enough star power to showcase on its own. Now the caveat, though, is that you got to get these guys to commit to play because you saw how many, how diluted the MLS right. All-Star side got to be against Tottenham. Uh, and and no disrespect to some of the guys that were called in, but I I don't think they're the ones that that fans here or around the world are, are tuning in to see. Um, Brian, I know you're you, both crazy. You, you're you both love crazy. It. you love this format. You love you're it. crazy. So so why intramural all star games are terrible, and they are terrible in every sport. And how terrible do they have to be for how many years 
for the two of you to realize <laughs> that that would be suicide. I'm going to read you some numbers. Okay? Go, ahead. Go ahead. 17 to 12, 12 to 9, 11 to 10. Those are the scores of the last three NHL All-Star games. 163 to 158, 163 to 155. You probably see where I'm going with this. Those are the scores of the last couple NBA All-Star games. Now you're reading my, my SAT scores. The last, uh, the, the last three MLS All-Star games, your intramural East-West games, before uh, they, they played their first uh, you know, divide, uh, MLS All-Stars versus someone else, scores of those games, 6-4, to 9-4, to 6-6. to six. Intramural All-Star games are so terrible that the leagues are forced to come up with idiotic gimmicks just to get anybody to watch. So in football and hockey, we have, you know, Team Irvin versus Team, you know, Carter. We have the captains picking it like it's a playground. Who was your favorite team last year on – who was your favorite player on Team Taze last year in the All-Star game, Grant? Who, 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 who really won it for Team Taze, right? Then in baseball, you have the dumbest thing of all, which is deciding who's going to host the, 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 the World Series based upon who wins this midseason exhibition that half the players don't even show up for. It's, it's insane. This is the best all-star game in sports. It's the best all-star game in sports by a million miles. It's the only all-star game in sports that anybody even tries to win or where the game even resembles the sport. Changing it would be suicide. Man, an impassioned Strauss is the best Strauss. Let me, just say this. Let me just say this. You're not allowed to do research for the podcast, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry to allow facts get in the, get in the way of a good fantasy. East-West, it, it would be – here's the other thing. Is, is I realize that a lot of players want the East-West, and that's because more players want to be in the All-Star game, so it's not like they don't have a vested interest in the format. But, but to paraphrase Michael Bradley from the Gold Cup, there is no divine right to play in an All-Star game. You know? <laughs> and, and I'm sorry, if you didn't make the game day roster uh, for, for the All-Star game, you know, I'm sorry. You know, all, all, they should all get money. I'm all for All-Star bonuses. MLS players are underpaid. Pay them all. Give them all an extra 50 grand. But... The, the All-Star Game is fun. The All-Star Game's provided some great memories. I think this year, perhaps the opponent uh, was not as sexy as it's been in the past couple of years. Tottenham's not even a Champions League team. But, you know, why not dip into South America? Why not bring in a, a powerhouse Brazilian or Argentine club? Bayern was big. Manchester United was big. Chelsea was big. It, it, it's, it would absolutely slay the All-Star Game if they went back to some intramural format. You'd go back to guys showing up and in sports bras and wigs, <laughs> playing forward, it would be an absolute joke. I I will say this though, like if th- this is a league that has has stated it wants to be among the world's best within the next five years, right? Do you think there are premier like anyone in the Premier League office is is at ever point going to be like, oh, we should we should gather our our best players together and and take on the LA Galaxy? Like it's just. The it's thinking, just, the thinking so is so inferior. I, you know what? I you think. know what? You know what? Intramural All Star game. You know. You know what? MLS players playing against MLS players is called. It's called the MLS season. You see it every weekend. This is a relic. This is another baseball relic from the 1920s or whatever. When when fans in St. Louis couldn't see the Yankees, so they cooked up the All Star game. So team. So fans from each league. This is this. This is another relic of a century ago. The All-Star Game, as it exists now, is a fun way to see combinations of players and opposition we would never see at any other time. 
Why do this is if people if you give people A, they want B. If you give people B, they want A. Ten years ago, the intramural format stunk, so they came up with this. Now this stinks, so you want to go back to what stunk before. It's not going to stink any less. First off, let me just say congratulations to Brian Strauss for having so much passion about the MLS All-Star game. It's not, I don't care. Grant, the All-Star game. not summon the passion to make, to make this argument. But the All-Star game could go away tomorrow, and I wouldn't care. What I'm passionate about <laughs> is the terrible argument. <laughs> I will say that if you go back in time that the Landon Donovan sports bra All-Star game, the Tony Miola playing forward All-Star game, um, the high-scoring no defense all-star games, not so great. Um, and yet, I do think this is a different league uh, than we had back then. And you know, this just gets rammed home when you look at all of the names that have signed with MLS this season. Um, we see them every week in MLS play. No, but that's fine. But you don't see them all in one game against each other. I mean, this is a completely different thing. Um, I like the idea of... Uh, of showing off the star power that this league has now brought together. And I think you can fill in an, an East versus West roster. And, and Well, you uh, could fill it, but just like you do in the NBA and NHL and NFL, the games are terrible. The games are jokes. You know, I, you know who the team was a great last night. You know who the past two offensive MVPs in the Pro Bowl were, by the way? Uh, Matt Stafford and Nick Foles. Because when you talk about intramural star power in, in, in an all-star game, you think of Nick Foles. All sports are terrible. The the use of the term intramural. I, I like I liked intramurals in college when I was involved. <laughs> Those were fun. <laughs> I I just think an all star game is meant to showcase your league, and when you only limit to one team, whether that's a, a team of twenty people or or more or whatever, it's you're you're limiting what you can do in terms of of exposure. I know MLS wants its headlines overseas. I know they want the Guardian covering the MLS All-Star game and that's going to happen when you get Harry Kane playing in it. I, I get that. Uh and I get that there are business interests in play as well, but from a perfectly uh MLS vacuum, I, I think you're limiting what you can showcase uh and and I tend to lean on the side that, that the league is, is at a point where it can just market itself. Show, showcasing twice as many players not trying or not caring is not going to be better for the league. If you, if you pit players against each other in an intramural format, look, it, the great thing about the All-Star game now is that there are enough guys. I mean, look at the Bayern game last year. There's enough guys on that field who want to win that game that it turns it into something that resembles a real game, just with fun different combinations of players. Intramural games, nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's why, look... The NBA and the NHL have all this star power enough to stock two all-star games. I read you the scores of these games. They're a joke. Hey, man. it's uh, Look, I, Don Garber said that, that they're considering a format change. So obviously the league is, is at a point where they also might think that this is, has jumped the shark, no? Potentially. I mean, like, I think I'm like Brian. I, I wouldn't shed a tear if the all-star game disappeared but this is a fact of life because of television because of buzz that the league is going to continue doing so they're going to come up with something uh if you're going to have the the format we've had in recent years you need to have real madrid or barcelona or man united or Bayern munich and with all due respect to tottenham that's not going to cut it uh it didn't feel like there was a ton of buzz out in denver and and, and 
truth be told, I, I, everyone had a good time out there, but like Denver is probably not one of the top markets in MLS either. And there was a, uh, it felt a little different in Portland last year, but then the Portland fans were so hardcore in their eyes that they didn't see it as something they wanted to pay attention to the all-star game. So, um, you know, it is what it is. For me, there's three events every year that I have to go to, uh, not just from a competitive standpoint, because they're just great to to be at, and that's the draft, the All-Star Game, and the MLS Cup Final. Um, you know, for me, it was good to catch up and actually, you know, do some news reporting and break some things, like signings, uh, like the new New York Red Bulls DP, Gonzalo Verón, a 25-year-old from Argentina, uh, San Lorenzo, who most of us have never seen play. Uh, and, um, you know, Tranquila Barnetta, a guy who some of us have seen play, signing with the Philadelphia Union. Uh, you know, there's some, this has been a good year and a good transfer window for MLS. Didier Drogba arriving this week in Montreal and having fans go absolutely crazy at the airport for him. Yeah, that was awesome. There were some, uh, some awesome scenes coming from there, uh, from Drogba's own selfie camera uh, as well. Drogba cam, if you will. Um, all right. We, uh, we just went heavy on the MLS All-Star game. I think we need to to take a sec. Deep breaths and talk, talk uh about something less disappointing like the Gold Cup. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfect. How about how about allegedly punching reporters at airports after the Gold Cup? Uh Miguel Herrera out as Mexico manager and uh that's going to put a little bit of a twist on the uh Mexico USA playoff. It's coming up in October. Um I it's it's nuts to me but this is the mexican federation right i mean no coach is safe ever two days after a trophy and um i i don't even know if we knew if this incident actually happened right i mean there was there's supposed video that didn't really show much um the video that i saw i didn't see a punch taking place that was the one that univision had from a cell phone camera and so it's hard for me to just take it on the word of the Mexican Soccer Federation president that this happened. Yeah, it uh, the the whole thing was was weird to me. I I just and I wrote about this too. It just it kind of felt like the federation was looking for an excuse to fire him. I I think that winning the gold cup obviously got in the way of that a little bit. Um, but it, you know, if it wasn't for this, and maybe it'd be for losing to the USA in October. And if it wasn't for that, it'd be for for something else. I just it's just the lack of, of continuity there is is nuts. A year ago at this time, he could do no wrong. He was the savior, um, and, and Mexico was on its way. Now, granted, results haven't really gone their way. They were not good in Copa America. The Gold Cup, I mean, without referees and assistant referees, they're out in the quarterfinals, potentially. Um, but they won. <laughs> so, yeah. and, you know, at the end of the day, they've, they've got the trophy. Uh, now... The question becomes who replaces him and how much uh, can they do in the next, you know, 10 weeks and counting down to October 9th to to get a team to buy in and to win this game. Um, you hear Marcel Bielsa's name around there. You hear a lot of trolling American fans throwing Landon Donovan's name out there and Bruce Arena and Bob Bradley, all of whom would be hilarious to see going up against <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann head to head. It's It's fascinating, Grant. My favorite was the quote last night from the uh, Tigres coach after the Copa Libertadores uh, final first leg, who, when asked if he wanted to take the Mexican national team job, said, I would rather be a street sweeper than take the Mexican national <laughs> team job. Um, 
The most fun rumor I've heard or read about is Carlo Ancelotti, um, who would certainly cost quite a bit of money, but is uh, without job right now after being let go by Real Madrid, and whose wife uh, is from Vancouver, and he actually spent most of the summer in Vancouver. Um, that would be interesting, to say the least. Um, but most likely we'll see uh, a Mexican coach uh, be named to this position, and uh, whoever it is is going to have to come in and uh, have a couple games in September and then a very big game against the United States in October. And just when you think things are starting to work out for, for Mexico and they win the Gold Cup, they got a lot of help, obviously, um, that they might have the upper hand on Klinsman in the U.S. You know, Klinsman, by the way, has never lost to Mexico as a player or coach. He is undefeated as, uh, I think he's 3-0-3 now as the U.S. coach against Mexico. Um, and this is it's a fascinating game to look forward to in the Rose Bowl in early October. And uh, so now, even though on the on what we saw in the Gold Cup, I would probably favor Mexico slightly in that game, you know, with all the turmoil in the Mexican Federation and this team, uh, you know, maybe that's more even now. And Brian, on the on the Jurgen side of things, you wrote about this uh, for for Planet Football. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of clamoring for his head now after the Gold Cup showing, not even making the final, let alone not winning it. Um, but that's that's just not going to happen. Yeah, no, his his job is safe. I mean, as as I wrote and as many others have written and as we've all been saying for four years, this is a this is a long term project he's been asked to do. He, he's been he's been charged with changing the the culture and the foundation of American soccer and and, you know, Couple crappy performances in a in a in a crappy tournament are not going to uh, change Sunil Gulati's mind about that. Um, so, and neither will ninety minutes at the Rose Bowl. I mean, I, I one one angle I'm really curious about is is I mean, you know, we were at the, you know, remember vividly the the Gold Cup final in, in 2011, and and looking down, it was my first time covering a game at the Rose Bowl, and and, and you know that the, the the panorama there is just so impressive, and you have this massive bowl out in front of you when you're up in the press box and, and it was all green, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, of course we remember, you know, Tim Howard, uh, sort of having a, a little mini meltdown after the final because they did the, uh, the, um, trophy presentation in Spanish. Um, well, they were, they were speaking to the audience that was there. It was, it was, you know, American fans of Mexico, Mexican Americans, whatever it was, it, it was, it was green. And so it'll be really interesting to see what, U.S. fans, U.S. soccer, American outlaws, other supporters groups, you know, what what people are able to do to sort of try to round up enough of a critical mass of U.S. fans uh, so that game doesn't feel like an away game for uh, for the U.S. So to just put it at Saprisa, go neutral venue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's obviously a huge factor. Um, and I was just watching highlights of that, that game, actually. Um, and man, Giovanni Dos Santos, that goal. Incredible game, incredible yeah. team by Mexico, and you know, and, and you know, Grant and I, I think both, you know, saw a lot of, you know, not upset, maybe that's overstating it, but but some some frustrated or confused fans about why you know this game would be played at, at a site that on the surface might be favorable to Mexico, and obviously, first of all, as I saw Grant try to explain a few times, that this is a Concacaf decision; it's got nothing to do with U.S. soccer, and second of all. The U.S. has hosted like every Gold Cup final, you know. I mean, the, you, the U.S. and U.S. fans can't really complain about Mexico having an advantage here uh, when pretty much every Gold Cup game is played on on U.S. soil. So this is this is a fair way to do it. The U.S. won in 2013. Mexico won this time, even though they were pretty terrible. 
but the U.S. was terrible too. So someone had to win the tournament, and uh, and we'll figure out who goes to the Confederations Cup in October. That's great. Both are in a little bit of turmoil. <laughs> it's just fantastic, and it, it's worth saying too. The September friendlies that both of these teams have, they're not like cakewalk tune-ups for you know this isn't guatemala before the gold cup the u.s has peru and brazil and mexico has trinidad and tobago which just pushed them 4-4 in, in the goal in the group stage of the gold cup and then argentina and with a new coach to to kind of implement new things in two games before this this one playoff uh it's that's a tall task no it definitely is and and so uh, very curious to see uh, what I'm hearing is, is that Jurgen Klinsmann will probably mostly stick with uh, the guys he worked with in the Gold Cup, who certainly didn't produce a great result uh, for this playoff. And there are some games between now and then. One of the big questions is going to be, now that Tim Howard is making himself available again, uh, is there going to be a goalkeeper controversy between Tim Howard and Brad Guzan? Uh, I know that some people inside the U.S. team were not thrilled at all when Tim Howard on Everton TV, with the timing of his announcement last week uh, that he was coming back. Now, Howard would say, I've been saying this all along. This was nothing new. But this was treated as news in some places and certainly was listened to and it reached the team. And it came out during the day of the semifinal against Jamaica that the U.S. team lost. So uh, will Jurgen bring... Howard back into the fold. Uh, he was sort of noncommittal about that when asked after the third place game. Uh, so we've never, as long as Tim Howard, if you go back to when he became the number one goalkeeper for the U.S., there's really never been a goalkeeper controversy. Guzan was always the number two. But if Howard does come in, uh, very interested to see how that plays out because Guzan uh, has been in this job now for, for over a year. It's yeah. funny. I mean, I, I think that will certainly grab headlines. But but if I had to, you know, and maybe I'll have to, uh, I guess it's up to you, Avi. I mean, if I had to write a, you know, a five things to watch for in the playoff game column, who plays goal for the U.S. would not be one of them. I, I just don't think it makes a difference if the, the U.S. will not swink or sink or swim, win or lose, because it chooses either Brad Guzan or Tim Howard. Both are, are totally capable. And both will be fine. There are so many other issues with this team, starting in central defense and 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 Jurgen's, uh, you know, claim that that Ventura Alvarado and John Brooks were the best center backs at his disposal for this Gold Cup, uh, up to Josie Altidore's health, up to whether Kyle Beckerman is starting to fade, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So many other issues that are going to determine this team's fate, and not sort of the headline grabbing issue of of which very very good goalie is going to play in that. Still matters though for for team chemistry if it becomes a divisive thing. I saw Howard; he put out uh, kind of a an impassioned defense of himself um, on a video, kind of claiming um, that you know this was just one snippet of a of a full length you know preseason Everton interview that he was doing, and just the way the team cut it and then presented it uh, kind of made him look worse than he had even intended to begin with. Um, All I'll tell you is this, is that uh, one of my best sources in the U.S. team, that was the very first thing that he mentioned to me after this tournament was they were very surprised that Tim Howard chose this timing and that it did affect the team. And so uh, it's it's certainly uh, a story, put it that way. Interesting. Well, something to keep an eye on. Uh, Always looking for 
for some juicy things to keep an eye on over the next few weeks, and, and that's definitely say, one of them. What, what does it say about this team that on the day of a of a gold of a continental semifinal in front of a sold out crowd in a massive stadium that they were emotionally affected by a videotape, you know, of a player who's not even with the team. I mean, I, that that that's boggling to me, and that doesn't say that says more about the team than it does about Tim Howard or or the timing of Everton's, you know. Uh, uh, PR staff and releasing this video that this team was impacted by something that benign. It's it's interesting for sure. Um, I don't think anyone really thought that Tim Howard is, you know, especially a year removed from from the summer that he had in Brazil, uh, could could be such a divisive force. Um, but hey, did, did Aaron Johansson miss that open net against Jamaica because <laughs> he was upset about that? I mean, I just <laughs> I, can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't. <laughs> That video made Darren Maddox grow six inches. That's how he won that header. Man, and Passion Strauss, we got him. We got him. We should we should just let this roll out for hours. This is fantastic. Um, look, we'll we'll see. You know, true colors will will come out eventually. Um, Want to close by touching on some of the cooler things that we've done here uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, last week we had the pleasure of being graced with. Zlatan Ibrahimovic's presence at SIHQ. Um, all I have to say is, yes, he does introduce himself by saying, I am Zlatan. Uh, it, was, it was great. If you haven't seen the interview, um, we, we've got it up on Planet Football. Um, check. We've got the full cut. We've got different clips of it. Um, he, he was fantastic. He was very gracious with his time. When he said, Pep Guardiola, good coach, bad person, his personal security detail gave me a look uh that that just said all you needed to know he was not too happy uh but it was great it was hilarious it was all in good fun um definitely wait, wait. needs a security detail uh he he came with a psg um communications person and then a i don't know if it was his personal security detail but uh but an individual um you know, nice. from, from, from the club. I don't know. And the best part was walking him through the lobby. You guys know this. You got to sign in and reception. Uh, you know, the people at the desk have no idea who he is. You know, they're not soccer people. So I, I don't know that he finds himself in positions where he has to introduce himself or say his name or show ID. Uh, that was fascinating. There was a person in that room also uh, who looked at him and was like, oh, I know you, man. I know you. You play soccer, right? And he's like, yeah. Uh, and the guy was like, oh, for what team? And, and in his accent, he said PSG, but the guy heard Brazil. And so he's like, oh, Brazil. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. I, just the look on his face was just like, you stupid American. I am going to kung fu kick you out of this office. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, so it was just, just amazing to have him here. Um, and, and look, hopefully we can do more with him down the line. Grant, I know you got a chance to speak with him um, you know, last year for, for an interview. Uh, he's he's great one on one. He's he's just a fascinating person. Just a completely open book. Um, you know, one of the most talented players in world soccer, but uh, a very good interview. Uh, I interviewed him last year in connection with the release of his autobiography. I I am Zlatan, um, which is a fantastic biography, which has become a little bittersweet for me because since that happened, it turned out that it came out that. Uh, it was basically a lot of it made up by, by the ghostwriter and Zlatan signed off on it, which brings, uh, which reminds me of, of Charles Barkley uh, in his famous comments in his autobiography that he said he was misquoted. Uh, <laughs> but because it was such 
a candid, outlandish autobiography, I, I was able to ask him questions about it, having read the book, and he basically had to answer. And so even though I'd never interviewed the guy before, and even though it was a phone interview, it was a very interesting interview, uh, very revealing. It's still, if you Google uh, SI.com and Ibrahimovic, I think it would come up. Um, I hope but, so, or else I'm not doing much. <laughs> no, exactly. But, um, you know, and he is outlandish, and he, he does create headlines, but he's also just a, a fantastic player and capable of just about anything on the soccer field. So um, I like the fact that he's into – uh, the U.S. And, and meeting up with American media and potentially joining MLS. I think he could still provide a lot to the league. Yeah, his answer when when, uh, when he was on SI Now when he was asked what Thierry Henry told him about the league, he said, I, I need to be patient. Thierry didn't get the ball on his feet. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, just brutally honest. Brutally, brutally honest. Um, but let's spin back to MLS and let's close with the oral history. I know we've talked about it on on here before, but now that it's out, the full unabridged version, hopefully you've gotten a chance to read it. If not, Planet Football is your place. Um, Brian, I know you were you were throwing out outtakes. There was just so much good content, great stories that didn't make it in. And, and for just, I mean, we just only have so much space to, to do this. Uh, if you had a, a favorite one or two stories that didn't make the cut, I guess, what, what would they be? Um. Well, first of all, I mean, a lot of people are, have, have responded to it uh, really enthusiastically, which is awesome because we spent a, a ton of time on it. Um, I don't know that, that uh, Alex Abnos and Adam Dewerson are getting the credit uh, they deserve uh, for, for weaving that uh, very, very complex tapestry together. Um, this was the first time I'd been involved in something like this, and I think one of the mistakes I made was that I was trying to get guys to tell me, like, full-on stories, you know? And, and, and of course, what winds up happening is nobody wants to read that full on story. And so you wind up seeing sort of the highlight of that story or, 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 or clips and bits that, that make the final version. So, you know, Mark Abbott telling the story about buying uh, Jorge Campos, the Ferrari. I don't think, uh, you know, Tony Miola telling, had a great story about trying to steal one of the shootout clocks. Um, you know, Jeff Bradley's story about having to buy everybody on the on the Metro Stars a dog because Roberto <laughs> Donadoni liked his dog. Uh, and, of course, we work with Jeff sometimes now, too, but, but he used to be uh, director of, of PR for the Metro Stars. So just listening to these guys sort of go off, um, you know, Kevin Payne saved the league 15 times. You know, <laughs> listen to Kevin for 45 minutes. He'll save the league 15 times. Um, <laughs> And, and it brought back great memories. I, I interned, uh, uh, a lot of people may not know, I, I, I interned with DC United during that summer of 96 and, and so ha- had a, not a front row seat, but a, you know, a third row seat to sort of the may- some of the mayhem that was going on that summer. And so to get the chance to circle back and talk to Tony Santa and John Harks and, 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 and Kevin and, and people like that who were uh, Jeff Agus, people like that who were involved uh, with the club. Um, it was awesome. And, and, and it brought back wonderful memories for me, like, like Bruce Arena making me fetch balls uh, along the side of the field because I don't get poison ivy and there was poison ivy everywhere. So I was the one who had to wade into the poison ivy and get the balls uh, that were shanked during practice. So I, I thought that if I prevented like Raul Diaz Arce from getting poison ivy, maybe I helped DC United win a game. With <laughs> <laughs> breaking news, Brian Strauss was actually the linchpin to the 96 champion. Something like that. DC United. Also, we should have interviewed you for this, man. It sounds like you've got <laughs> I also got to take uh, I got to take corner kicks with Marco after practice one time. 
And my guy, it was, I, I said, said to someone on Twitter, it was like trying to head a comet. And <laughs> the speed and swerve that, I mean, it was just to see, to see the way he struck a ball up close. I, I had never seen anything like it. And, and 20 years later, it, it still, uh, you know, gives me, gives me a little tingle. Wow. I, I think from my perspective, like Brian and I uh, were about the same age. We were in our early 20s when MLS started. And, you know, Brian was with DC United, spent time with them. I was a fan in Kansas City going to whiz games in an empty Arrowhead Stadium. And, you know, soon enough, in the, in the following years, Brian and I would become journalists and cover this league. And so we've been following it ever since. And so I think this article, this oral history is in many ways – a result of this labor of love, not just in reporting this story, but in following all of it or being connected to it since the start. And and there are so many great personalities and, and fascinating people involved with MLS over the last 20 years and with the start of the league that we knew this would be a great story uh, and really appreciate Sports Illustrated giving us the time to to really do something, to write something that people are going to remember, I think. You know, this is uh, uh, something that is the history of American soccer. And uh, to take all this time, I mean, it took two months doing the interviews. I don't know how many we ended up doing, Brian, maybe, what, 50, 60, 70? Um, and, and to, you know, have the very best stuff from those interviews, you know, end up in this story uh, it's been really gratifying to to see the response to it. Well, I just get started on uh, year two. Year two is going to drop in October, so get, get going. And oral history <laughs> about any subject should include a conversation with Thomas Ronk. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Whatever it's about. <laughs> if you're doing an oral history on like French romantic poetry, you should interview Thomas Rongan. That's just a tip out there for any other journalists who may be listening. TR. <laughs> Uh, and let's let's let CR have the final word. Uh, that uh, that was great. Again, guys, uh, thank you again for your work on that. And and if you've read it, if you haven't read it, thank you for doing so, or thank you for planning on doing so. Um, definitely check it out. Um, but that will do it for us today. Um, so thank you for listening. As always, thanks to Grant and Brian for chiming in, and uh, for myself, Avi Creditor. We will talk to you again next week. the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.